Welcome to The Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. On this episode of The Clappers, we talk about This England, the Michael Winterbottom series. We talk about Andor, the Star Wars series that all Star Wars fans have been waiting for. We talk about Sweet Dreams, a book on the new romantic movement by Dylan Jones. We talk about Hilary Mantel. Yes, we do. We do. We talk about England in all its Englishness because we speak English. And we talk about Welcome to Wrexham because we also speak a little bit of Welsh. Yes, we do. Look, we speak it Welsh, <laughs> but you won't hear any Welsh in Welcome to Wrexham. And apologies to all the Welsh boyos who might be listening. No apologies, is it? <laughs> no apologies, is it, from us? <laughs> Carl, I'd put us up there with Jerry Lewis, Tina Arena. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? No, I do not. We are big in France, my friend. Big in France. Go French lovers. They might not like this episode, Carl, and what I have to talk about. Oh, dear. Here we go. Mm. Let's start. We're going to talk about this sceptered isle, this seat of kings. Yes. Everything I have to talk about today, Carl, concerns England, Angleterre. Your chosen subject is... England. Your time starts now. So, I've been watching a television program called This England. This England is set in Boris Johnson's cabinet and uh, house at number 10 Downing Street at the start of the onset of This is COVID. Michael Winterbottom's series. Michael Winterbottom's series. It has Kenneth Branagh doing what some may say is an impression or an impersonation of... Boris Johnson. Others may say it is just a, a, a dispassionate rendering without trying to be too clownish. Uh, if I may continue yes. my uh, already established habit of interrupting in a really annoying way before you mm. get a, what, you know, no, that's mm, fine. Get that's the wind fine. in your sails. Now, people, that's what that's what the French enjoy. <laughs> that is, what, it helps them with their learning of English. Le tête à tête. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, I've, I, I've seen photos of Banner yes. as Johnson, and he looks remarkably like him. Yeah. I've got to say, and it's not—that's not a similarity I would immediately have picked off the off the bat. So, no, you, you know, wouldn't think of Kenneth Branagh as as Boris Johnson, but Kenneth Branagh is an actor of many years standing, a stage actor, a Shakespearean actor, one who, while not known to have a variety of, of accents, especially his more recent Russian one, which I thought risible, <laughs> his... Uh, or his, his Belgian one. His Belgian, oh no, I forgot about the <laughs> do, Belgian one. Do you need a moment? <laughs> <laughs> of course, he talks as a Belgian who speaks French rather than a Dutch Belgian when when we hear him as Barreau. Uh, he's really good as Boris Johnson. would be a Belgian who speaks French, though. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Sir. We broke the deadlock. Yeah. We ended the gridlock. We smashed the roadblock. We are losing this mandate and this majority. We are at last able to do what? You have been paying attention, yes. Thank you. Very good. Now, less than, less than six months ago, when I became your leader, I could only offer you to quote a predecessor of mine. Uh, blood, toil, tears and sweat. But now, less than six months later... We can look forward to the broad, sunlit uplands. A new dawn is breaking. 2020 will be a year of prosperity, growth and hope. 
living in Australia,、mm. I think we can look at this this program, which is about all the horrors that went on in the British health system, the failures to act soon enough、yeah. or on time, the, the ignoring of of warnings and predictions that came to pass, that the 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 fact that another country, not too far away, was pretty much giving the signals as to what will happen on day one, what will happen on the Italy. I'm talking about on day five, which was experiencing all the horrors of the、uh, COVID pandemic in advance of Britain,、mm. and it was being treated as more of a public relations issue than a health issue. And we get to see this unfold in a way that I, I think is really good. But a lot of people in Britain have been commenting in a, letters to the papers and 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 critics that it was too soon. Not、mm. enough critical distance has been maintained to be able to get a perhaps a, a, a better, more cogent analysis. The whole the, the whole too the, soon thing is fascinating. I is, think. I is, mean,、um, I don't know if you've seen. Bali 2002 on on Stan. It's a four parter. No, I don't think I will either. Yeah, and and look, I I totally understand that, right?、Mm. But I actually think、um, I, I reviewed it. I,、yeah. I gave it four stars, and、I'm, I was probably a little generous in giving it four stars.、Mm-hmm. But I think I was so relieved that they hadn't made a total hash of it, right? That they'd、mm-hmm. actually done it with real respect、okay. and sensitivity. And I mean, you do see, you know, what you, channel was it on? Was it a three to one? It's on stand. On stand、yeah. Okay.、Um, I think it might come to nine eventually.、Uh, Known for、um, sensitivity. <laughs> Channel nine. Oh, farmer wants a wife. Hey. <laughs> hey.、Uh, the block. I, I believe you'll find programs. Farmer wants wife. Excellent. Seven, my, my friend. Is、But、it? Anyway, okay. Anyway, we're splitting, <laughs> we're splitting, splitting airs here. I think.、Um, <laughs> no. The, the point about Bali two thousand and two is that I think it was done pretty well, right?、Mm-hmm. It was, and it. Told a story that I think we have every right to tell. You know, here here is a major event that was,、mm-hmm. you know, had a huge impact on the Australian psyche.、It、very much played into how we engage with the world and the fear of terrorism. You know, overblown as it may be, but certainly present. You know, it's、yep. it's worth grappling with these things. I think,、um, but there's a lot of people who just look at that and go. Why? Why would you exploit、yeah. this suffering for entertainment?、Yes. I think the response to that, the easy response to that, is watch it. It's not that entertaining. Yes, <laughs> it's it's like it's well done,、yeah. but it's not it's, entertaining. It's not entertainment. I think I、no. think anybody who、it's、thinks something like that, or say Nitram, say, or、yes. you know any of those those stories that go into those that difficult territory. Um, whether or not you think there's a, a you know, there's a, a validity to telling those stories, and I would argue there is.、Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really simple-minded to say that you're just exploiting it for entertainment. It's not that at all. It's something else. Good, good interruption, Carl. What I think is that、um, that that may not be the criticism that it's、mm. exploitative. It was. I think it's more. It's too raw. The facts aren't in. Yeah, yeah. We've 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 ended the show. We should, the show ends before some really crucial things to do with the Boris Johnson government occur in time. Another year, then you would have been able to wrap up the whole prime ministership in in the one series.、Um, I'm. That doesn't bother me so much. I think it bothers people over there a lot more, with good reason. You know, we have the we have the geographical distance, and、yeah. we weren't living the experience that 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 Great Britain, that great great 
kingdom, seat of Mars. Um, we weren't living that, so we, we can look at it in a different way. It's it's really well done. It reminds me of the program that they made on the Salisbury uh, poisonings, mm. uh, especially the material dealing with the healthcare system, dealing with the hospitals and dealing with um, the, the nursing homes. It's it's a it's not it's not entertaining. It's not fun, mm. and I think sometimes. Um, jumping back from the horrors of the, the lived experience of healthcare workers to Boris Johnson quoting Shakespeare and trying to get someone to walk his dog uh, is, is a little sort of light, heavy, light, heavy. Could be difficult for people to watch. Do you think the light, heavy, light, heavy works? I do. Uh, but you're yeah. a Pixies fan, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I understand about dynamics in music, and I understand quiet, quiet. I understand about it in uh, filmed entertainment as well. Yeah. So, I wasn't sure. Yeah, but I'm 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 I find I, you can't watch it all at once. It's just they're releasing. We're watching it at the same time as they're watching it in the UK, and I find that the episode ends, and I'm really hungry for the next one. Yeah, right. Where are you watching it? At home. Thank you for that. That's Room really D. helpful. That's Room really D. helpful to <laughs> Room D. That's really helpful to all our listeners. Where where do What you am wa- I wearing? What where? am I wearing when I'm watching it? It's tracksuit pants, <laughs> t shirt, slippers. Where could our listening friends watch it? I have a feeling your living room. <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not coming. Okay, let's just get that sorted. There's a reason I had a post office box. It gave me tremendous privacy for many years. Look, look, look listeners, you're welcome to turn up to PO Box 38, Clifton Hill, and, and take your chances. You might be able to see. I suspect this it's on Foxtel. I have uh, you do been been um, rekindling my childhood joy mm. in things <laughs> Star Wars. Okay, with Andor, which is mm-hmm. I think the show that people who harbour an emotional connection to Star Wars that has been repeatedly disappointed. Okay, it's the show that they've been waiting for. Okay, right? it's All the right. it's the storytelling they've been waiting for. It's so the emotionally stunted, the yeah. weak, <laughs> the halt, the lame of mind. When I think of the the whole Star Wars universe, the storytelling universe, I think there are two kind of forces at play. One is the sort of uh, revolutionary impulse, the the rebellion. Right, mm-hmm. there's a kind of the, the stuff that's anchored in the material um, conditions of the universe that George Lucas created. And then there's the spiritual stuff, which is all about Jedis and the Force. And I mean, he, he started writing it in like, I think, 73 or 74. So there's still very much the hippie influence, I think, at play. And there is this kind of, you know, you've got the spirit of May 68 and you've got the spirit of Woodstock 69 and you've got these two things that sort of a you know, they're both about the notion of uh, liberation and rebellion and revolution, but they operate in very different spaces. One is self-focused and spiritual and, you know, internal, and one is about engaging with the world and is external. In Andor, you get the a series, spirit. basically. Yeah. The Battle of Britain. Great. It's, it's the French resistance versus yes. the Nazis. Okay. It is grounded, right, and it's about, about a character called Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna, who is basically a petty thief who ends up becoming... A uh, a fighter in the rebellion, mm-hmm. and it's just 
it's just fantastic. The world mm-hmm. building in it feels so um, so tactile and tangible. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's not set on a desert planet, which is kind of a relief. That's good. Yeah, okay. I think it is. Change right. of scenery. You know, okay. It's yep. as good as a holiday. I'm seven episodes mm-hmm. into what is, I think, a 12-episode se- arc. Unlike um, Boba Fett and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I feel were kind of a little bit bogged down, The Mandalorian is pretty good. Mm-hmm. This, to me, just feels like something that is so anchored in in the kind of you know if you if you accept the premise of this you know this um, you know, fictional universe. Yeah, it feels like it's anchored in the reality of it. Okay, and right. I'm I'm loving it. I'm I'm, loving I'm pleased because it and is it's one on of Disney Plus. <laughs> it is one of the most boring topics in Christendom: the Star Wars and George Lucas, the Star Wars universe, the characters. It really makes my eyes glaze over. So I'm glad that <laughs> you derive so much pleasure from it. There are other grown men uh, I, I, I'm aware of. I see their posts. I've on, seen other on, grown men. On <laughs> oh, sorry. You're, you're, going, you're, going, no, on, you're carrying on with no, that. I've sorry. seen their posts on social media that are almost always Batman, Star Wars, Marvel yeah. related. And, um, you know, there's a there's a place for all in this world. Look, I don't count myself amongst the... Mm. Oh, okay. You're not one of those. I don't believe oh, okay. I am. I don't okay. believe I am. I, it sounded like when you were getting well, into the preamble before look, the prequel, uh, it sounded like you were one of them. I engaged with the first film when I was 12 years old. It yes. does something to your psyche. Okay, you know? right. That, that kind of, yes. you know, yes. Uh, takes hold. Yep. I, I know it's what you mean. It's never going to let you go. My, my favourite film I saw when I was 10, mm. and it's never let me go. What was it? It still is, The Sweet Smell of Success. Right. And it, it grabbed me when I was 10, and it's still my favourite film now, many decades yeah. later. And uh, you you are a, a hostage to your experiences as a, as a, as a child, good or bad. Mm. Bed knobs and Broomsticks I saw when it came out when mm. I was a little boy. All I could think of, dream of, was that film for at least a year. I would check the program to see if it was on television yet every week. It never was on television. I don't know why my parents didn't take me to see it again because it would have cost them 50 cents or something. In those days, people would take their kids and just leave them at the <laughs> that's, cinema. That's back when 50 cents was worth something. Exactly. Yeah. Bed knobs and broomsticks. <laughs> so you could take your kids to the cinema in those days. You'd leave them. You'd come back four hours later and pick them a up. A week you know, later. Or a week. A week later. And, and I don't know what you got on home why they, they neglected me so much in that respect. But they did buy me <laughs> the record. Neglected to neglect you yeah. is what you're they, actually they, saying. They did buy me the record of bed knobs and broomsticks, which so I, I know the songs. Still. Well, okay. Well, well, we're on this riff. Yeah. Um, mm. I, I saw bed knobs and broomsticks at the cinema as well, and, and yes. very much enjoyed it. But yes. my like the key yeah. formative film, yeah. the Jungle Book. Okay, yeah, and, I saw that. And yeah, love that. Still have the soundtrack yep, album. Yep. Love those will tunes, Bare Necessities. Will occasionally get it out and play it. Yeah, I want yep. to be just like you. And you every yep. word on yes. the talking. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we had the same series of records, a little book, yeah. and you get a 45, yep. two songs either side. and Yeah. That, uh, oh, this is the album. Oh, oh the album. And okay, the I've never seen thing, never seen the album of that. Mm. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, so so if, if you are a hostage to a misspent youth watching mm. Star Wars films, then mm. you can watch Andor on Disney+. Plus. More to the point, if you're a hostage to a misspent youth and you have been continually let down uh, yes, by yes. the subsequent Yeah, they, films, they look rubbish. They really do. They, they, they lack everything that a good film should have. I, I don't need to enumerate that, but, you know, um, I'm pleased that there's something of... of Apparent quality being brought out under the aegis of Lucasfilms, whatever, you know, Star Wars. Since we last met Carl, there have been 
a couple of very serious and 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 public deaths. Most deaths are quite serious. Yeah. Her Majesty the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, very died. Very serious for her. Very serious for her. Anybody our age and older would have seen the Queen. She came to Australia many times. We would have been uh, as school children. I had a or, beer with her once. Yeah. yeah. There you go. At uh, the local pub in Goodna in Queensland. There you are. You, At the Waruna. We had you, a countery. You're, you're not alone in 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 <laughs> your Kiev, in your, inter, in your intimacy with the monarch, and uh, sh- she's not the only one. Perhaps somebody who's maybe even more important. To Australians died uh, just a few weeks after her. Uh, uh, a dame, Dame Hilary Mantel. You've heard of her. Uh-huh. You're familiar with the Wolf Hall series, either uh-huh. as a filmed entertainment or uh, as books. Why would she be more relevant to Australia more than the actual more, Queen? Okay, because more Australians will have watched and connected with something like Wolf Hall, which is tremendously than popular. Have registered than Queen have, Elizabeth II. Than, than have feelings, emotional feelings for Queen Elizabeth II. Well. I'm just checking mm-hmm. to see if your mouth is moving because yes. I believe you're speaking out of another part of your body at the moment. <laughs> no, I reckon it's true. I reckon uh, very few Australians uh, under a certain age really resonated with the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, a lot <laughs> I of think, English I think people that's did. Nonsense. I reckon a lot more people are sorry that there won't be a Wolf Hall four. <laughs> That the death of Thomas yeah. Cromwell, it doesn't mean the end of Wolf Hall 4. It's the death of Hilary Mantel that means the end of Wolf Hall 4. Uh, I recommend everybody, we've spoken about this before, re-watch or watch Charles III, the stage play that was made into uh, a little one, one-and-a-half-hour film about what happens when Charles III ascends the throne and on the death of his mother, it's brilliant and really worth watching again. Where did you watch that, Andrew? Oh, I can't remember. People are just going to don't know to if it was the living room or the kitchen. No, it was, was, sure. it was in room D. But people are just going to have to look that that up. You know, I wasn't intending to talk about Charles III, but as we're talking about England, as our our French listeners would would, would love to hear on the the, the 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 French president had a very close relationship with uh, Our Majesty, Her Majesty, very popular with the French Queen Elizabeth II. Not not so Liz Truss or Boris. Johnson, I believe. No, no, no the English. No, the English, <laughs> for that matter. But that, that's just a, a, a sidebar to a massive book that I read about a topic that I have absolutely no interest in, and it is a testament to the skill of the author that I would read, barely able to put down, and it's a very heavy book. It's about this big, probably two kilos, over a 1,000 pages with extensive extensive notes and bibliography at the back. I, I have a rule that I, yeah. I never read any book that weighs more than 285 grams. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, 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 I was using our kitchen scales today to, to make some banana uh, bread, banana cake with our daughter, and I'm picturing the scales, and I'm thinking, okay, so how much, how many, because I didn't weigh this book. I'm just guessing how much it, how much it weighs. It's called... Sweet Dreams, and it is about a period in British history from about 1977 to about a 10-year period, and it's about a, a form of music that I never liked that was like the opposite, it was like the enemy, the New Romantics. It's, it's a book which is basically uh, oral histories, testimonies and interviews that, that the author has made with all these different characters that were involved in this startling peacock revolution of the um, uh, late 1970s that was 
almost the well, the antithesis of punk, and it was about dressing up, about showing off, about being glamorous. A lot of it is about the um, importance of the of gay men and the gay movement and gay clubs and and a, a few of the interviewees say you know you don't hear you hear about the gay scene you hear about gay performance and music in a really specific and narrow way gay people were everywhere gay people were were in the punk scene and they had a had a lot more influence and and had a lot more um, of a part to play than you would think watching any documentaries about the music scene in Britain or in America in that period. Yeah, that's interesting. And it really, it really is interesting. And like I say, I don't like, I pretty much don't like any of. <laughs> there's so many artists and so many songs that I don't like that are mentioned in this book. Ultravox, Bizarre. Yeah, so okay, Duran Duran, yeah, Duran Duran, Spandau Flock Ballet, Flock of Seagulls, huge international success that bands like Wham, Culture Club, Culture Club, um, Duran Duran. Ballet got was because they had they MTV started but they had no clips. Yeah, yeah. English bands, you know, as you know, were spending a fortune. We we all remember the clip for Vienna, which um, is I love that clip. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, um, a fortune was spent on film clips, and so the American station MTV had all these clips that they could play, and it made these artists absolutely huge. Almost every single name you can think of from British pop history, but also design and fashion mm. as well. It was started at a club called the Blitz, yeah. which was yeah. a wine bar in Covent Garden well, where Steve Strange was a DJ wasn't he well no no not yet he was uh, he was a teenage he was like the doorman he wouldn't let yeah. Mick Jagger in for instance because he wasn't stylish <laughs> uh, it was a club devoted to Roxy Music and David Bowie the whole thing started because uh, out of love for David Bowie and yeah. Roxy Music and then craft work and then it just it just grew in, into a, a, a little movement like the Bromley kids in the punk scene and it became this national thing because of Top of the Pops David yeah. Bowie came down and grabbed some people from that club to put in his Ashes to Ashes clip. And um, that was an international hit. And so this whole thing of people dressing up in strange gothic... Duran Duran would really be the sort of like the first group to sort of break big out of it, wouldn't they? I think Planet Earth would yeah, have been the first. Planet Earth was before to cut a long story think, search. Oh, no, no, no. I reckon Planet Earth was 1980, maybe, was 80? maybe okay. even a yeah. bit later. But, yeah, it, it, I had a look at that. I had a look at the clip for Planet Earth the other day after reading the book. And... There's not a lot going on with that song. I, I, I liked the song when it came out, but Unlike looking back on, on it, film, Girls on Film. If you ever film, see oh, the, uh, well, I tell the you, X-rated Russell Mulcahy, I have, no, I have seen that. My, my that. girlfriend at the time worshipped Duran Duran yeah. and forced me to watch. She had a whole. She forced st- you to watch. She forced Girls me to watch film, the uncut, the X-rated the uncut version. Uncut, over over and over. I wouldn't call it X-rated. It was. Oh, it was. It was, pretty... it was. Yeah, but not really nah, uh, not anything. Right. Like you could probably show it on on SBS at seven thirty now. But it is funny hearing members of Duran Duran patting themselves for their forward-thinking feminism uh, based on that film clip. Really? Yeah. Some of these um, neuromantic stars have a very inflated opinion of themselves and the The influence on on the world. It's it's really, look, if you, this is probably part of why I enjoyed this book. Right. Because if you had any views that were perhaps contrary or, 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 or unflattering views of any of these bands at that time, you will be rewarded by reading <laughs> interviews <laughs> with them talking about their majesty. 
Right. <laughs> it is. I mean, there are also, look, there's some good things that came out of that period. All those great synthesizer duos like Blamange, for instance. Um, well, Yazoo. Great song. Yeah, oh, actually, I do like that song. Yeah. Um, but the Eurythmics, uh, it, 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 there, there's some H. Some interviews where you think, oh, that's how that sound or that song or that that group came together, yeah. and it just fills like a couple of gaps in your memory of that time. Perhaps I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. This book is for people who were there, right? Yeah. This is a, this is like a little scrapbook for everybody who is still alive, because not everybody is. I mean, uh, it started out as a fabulous, glamorous, exciting thing, but eventually, with fame and with wealth, comes drug abuse. And so a lot of people... Is it compulsory? Yeah, it is, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's compulsory. The only reason we're still alive is yeah. because we never we, made enough we, money, we right? Made enough That's money. It. If we'd have made, if we'd have made that money, for, if we'd have had some hits... Thank God for poverty. Then then I, I would weigh six stone right here. Like all, all subcultures, you know, they start off well, but then they turn out, mm, and so people move on to the next thing, right? Completely randomly. Yes, I, I often have this thing where a song gets lodged in my head, but I can't mm, shake mm, it. Mm. And uh, a week or so ago, it was it was some um, uh, careless memories. Okay, yeah. Which I've got to say, it's a cracking song. Is it? There are two standout ballet songs that I think still stand Go up. On. One is Chant Number One. Yeah. And the other would. That's, uh, I don't need this pressure. Yes. On. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And the other would be Instinction. Instinction. I don't know yeah. that. The only problem with Spandau Ballet and mm. a lot of bands, not just in the sort of the synthesizer neuromantic scene at the time, but also regular kind of you know, mm. jangly pop bands, they used the Simmons drums, which are the, the hexagonal sound. pads, and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You listen to that and you you think. Damn it! You know why? Why if they had used actual drums, actual drum sounding drums, yeah, yeah. you could be listening to that now, and yeah. it wouldn't be dated. Well, it, it is remarkable, yeah. isn't it? I mean, so much of the pop music of mm. of the eighties, and particularly from about eighty two to about eighty eight, yeah. has got this boom, boom, boom yeah. drum sound, yeah. and and too much on by way of synth fill, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. But the, the drums in particular just make it almost unlistenable, yep. I think. Yeah, I agree. Aztec Camera, who I love, um, bizarrely chose to record their second album like that, the mm. second album you know, produced by Mark Knopfler, Knife. And I thought, what? Like, you're not a synthesizer. Did somebody, and producers used to say this, we need electronic drums or you won't get, you won't get, you won't chart. Won't get on radio. Won't chart, won't get on radio with electronic drums. Oh, okay. Well, well, you know. If only they'd been able to say you won't get on radio in 2022. 2022, (laughs) Andrew Young is going to be questioning your judgment, okay? 40 years from now, he will question your judgment. So, damn it, use real drums. I'm questioning your judgment. (laughs) Right now, right now, Andrew Young. So, I, I, it's it's a it's a really good book if you have any familiarity with the period. You don't have to like. I'm I'm the testament. You don't have to like these bands or this music or those people. Okay, it's very heavy. It's very big. So you may want to get it as a, a Kindle or a Kobo e-reader type book. Uh, there's not there's practically no illustrations, which is fine. At the end of the book, you get this massive uh, reading list of of great sort of picture books of the time, of of books like you know England is Mine by Michael Bracewell, books that looked at the culture, yeah, looked yeah. at the music scene of that time, and also a listening guide as well. Oh, okay. So That's so cool. if you read this book and you think, oh, this sounds like check up Spotify, blah blah blah, then at the back of the book it's got a guide to all these different songs that that are in. Um, uh, Dylan Jones's view, essential. 
Andrew, before we wrap, welcome to Wrexham. Have you seen that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't going to watch it, you know. Yeah. I wasn't going to watch it because... Uh, Are you taking a principal stand against uh, Hollywood people coming in and buying... Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm all for... Damaged football all for, teams. I'm and, all for that. Isn't, mm. isn't that what... Um, what's, his, what's his name again? Owner of Chelsea. Uh, Roman Abramovich. Abram, Abram, yeah. Well, he's no longer the owner No, of no, Chelsea, but that's but what they do, right? They they just go and they buy these clubs from... Rich, he's he's rich, not a Hollywood guy, but... No, he's yeah, not a Hollywood yeah. No, no, but that's yeah, yeah. the system. An <laughs> A yeah. wealthy person comes in. Anyway, let's let's yes. just backtrack for a second. Okay. Elton for John. Those who don't know, for those Elton who don't John. know, Elton welcome to Wrexham. Welcome to Wrexham. It's uh, it's a, a documentary series. I think mm-hmm. it's fair to say somewhere yep. between a documentary and a reality show. But mm-hmm. I, th- I think you can call it a documentary series. It's yeah. On, it's, again, it's on Disney Plus. It mm-hmm. is uh, basically the story of Ryan Reynolds and Rob mm-hmm. McElhenney. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob McElhenney is uh, unfamiliar to listeners of the, of the podcast. He's the creator and, and star of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Program is, nobody's watched. <laughs> it's a program many people have watched. Contact us if you've watched this. I guarantee that nobody will contact us and say, you know what? oh, I get- love. I'm going to guarantee um, that more people in Australia have watched that than have watched Wolf Hall. No way. Way. No way. Let's get it happening. Let's get... Let's get the survey <laughs> happening now. Contact us on our Facebook page. Ryan Reynolds yes. is that other guy. Yeah, well, we people have heard of people him. People know who he is. Yeah, he's funny, he's rude, yeah. he's, um, he's great. Anyway, the, the two of them, and it's not entirely clear, I think, in the mm. setup why. No, it's not. Not and, at all. And not I've all. watched the entire season, right? Oh. And I can tell you it never becomes entirely never, no. clear why. No. So for me, that remains an unresolved burning question. Have they bought this team mm. in order to facilitate a documentary yes. about what happens when they buy a team? Yes. Right? Yeah. And I think that's a, yeah. I think that's a very real yeah. possibility, uh, which plays against the kind of the buy-in to some level for me. Okay. Um, yep. and, and it did for a very long time. Yeah. But as I say... I've watched the entire thing, mm. which covers it covers the period of uh, their their the sort beginning, of their beginning, which is towards the end of one season, mm-hmm. uh, the two thousand and twenty twenty one season, where they they investigate buying the team. They do buy the team, and they put in place a new ownership structure. The team is Wrexham right, the Town team. in uh, the north of Wales, who own uh, who have a have been playing at a place called the Racecourse Ground, which is one of the oldest grounds in world football. It is the oldest ground still used for international soccer. Um, so there's a there's a real rich history to mm. this uh, to this club. Um, they've I think they got as high as a second division on on a couple of occasions in the probably the eighties, maybe the nineties was the most recent that happened. Um, they're now playing. In a level beneath the the sort of profession, the four football leagues in England, which is basically the, the Premier League, the Championship, Division One, Division Two, they're in the National League, which sits below that. And basically, there's no money in that league. They've been in there for 15 years. They're desperately seeking promotion. If they get promoted, then they get access to the TV revenue that comes to all the clubs that are members of the football league. They get the opportunity to redevelop their ground, build you know bigger capacity, get more people in there sell more tickets, sell more shirts, and so it goes. It's a self-perpetuating cycle of upward economic prosperity if they can get there. And so the show basically follows the season and their efforts to gain promotion. Where I am in the season, they've not won a game. Right. Uh, They they don't look like they're ever going to win a game. Uh, It's most poignant for me this show because of the the locals and you get yeah. you get more of them at the start than than where I am I don't know maybe I'm 5 or 6 in mm. it's 
heartbreaking how devoted the yeah. people of Wrexham are. Now, they don't sound Welsh, okay? So don't. I love the Welsh. I love the sound of their voices. If you do, you'll be disappointed because these people don't sound Welsh. They sound more like Liverpoolians. Well, well, yeah, they're, they're because they're closer of... to Chester and, and yeah. so on up the top right hand side of Wales. Yeah. So don't don't be thinking that. But it's a it's beautiful and sad how devoted the people of Wrexham are to a team that just I don't think seems to have ever won a game for, in living. <laughs> they have. In living they have memory. won games. I'm just saying, from the point of view of <laughs> yeah. the viewer, it seems like they have not won a game in well, living we memory. Find them at a fairly low point. Yeah, it's fair yeah. To say. and yeah. and and lovers of of whatever code of football knows what that's like at some point when the team that you support doesn't look like it's ever going to drag itself out of the hole. So it's time to rebuild. Hey. Well, what's for, yay! We desperately need that CEO in place to be able to deal with the day-to-day, you know, business of, the, of running the football club. You know, they're going to have to come with a special set of skills, and the need to rebuild a club in the National League, which isn't a skill set that a lot of people have got. Can we find a, a very capable CEO who can also uh, maybe be a striker? That yeah. would be a good cost-saving exercise if we could. I guess so too. Right, if you can find a twenty-goal-a-season CEO, that's the idea. I feel like we fixed uh, Wrexham, guys. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump off, and I'll see you guys later. <laughs> okay, okay, great. Mike, drop. It's great. That was easy. The best part of this show is when Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney aren't in it. It's when you're talking to the punters, yeah. the people, the volunteer volunteers. What happens is over the course of this series, and I think it's like 17 or 18 episodes, right? So it's quite long. What happens over the course of it is that it becomes less and less about them. So when you say it's at its best when they're not in it, I, th- yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, there are there are episodes on hooliganism. Okay. There are episodes on um, male friendship, like bromance, yep. and and how sport functions as a facilitator of connections between men. Yep. Um, there are there are sort of like portraits of players who get dumped from the yeah. team, get axed, yeah. get sort of like who live in sort of you know three or four of them in a share house kind of thing mm-hmm. on minimal wages. It's like yeah. it is not a glamorous life, you no, know, for no. lower level no. footballers, professionals though yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's a few sports like that yeah. too, and and it's. I think it's obviously there's portraits of the fans and mm-hmm. like that's a very big part of it. Yeah. There's there's kind of a little insight into the business. I mean there could be probably a little bit more of that. Yeah. There's there's a history have you seen the episode about the the shyster who took over the club immediately set up two structures one yeah, that yeah, was a yeah, club yeah, and yeah, one that yeah. was a stadium because yeah. he wanted to redevelop the stadium yep. as yep. real estate. Yep. I mean it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a portrait of the way um, you know business intermeshes with sport. Mm. How it, how the success of it as a business absolutely depends on the buy-in of the fans. Yeah. But how the fans also push back on that, you know, mm, and mm. that sort of really tense tense relationship between mm. these these composing forces. Yeah, I, I think it's almost in spite of itself. Yeah, it's a great piece of television. Yeah, and of course, being a sports documentary, mm. you have the inherent narrative arc of yes. season yes. with all yes. the highs and lows of mm-hmm. that and all the tension that comes in that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I gotta say by the end I'm I'm like I'm I'm in there. I'm yeah, a I'm right. a fan by the end. Okay, you know? so so you've finished the season, the episode the the, mm. yeah, the season of eight or nine episodes. Mm. Uh is that it? Oh, there'll be a season two. Okay. Unquestionably. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's something, don't tell us, there's something that happens. You finish the last episode and you go, oh, we can't leave it there. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good.
French are going to love this, man.